scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. Bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. Oh, wow. Okay. Hello. Hello there. Hi. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Cheers. You gonna leave me hanging? Alright. <laughs> Hi, I'm here too. Oh, I'm here with Tom Bongbadil. Uh, your first episode went over so well. Yeah. That I told myself that you uh, you In needed the event to come back. Of you a need- terrible tragedy, you, you need to come down <laughs> and record an episode. That wasn't what I was going to say. <laughs> I was okay. So full disclaimer: I was planning to come down in like two weeks ish or a week. Um, just and to say hi to my friend here. Yeah, Captain Death, and then and then uh, our friend died. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I mentioned it on episode ninety three that I recorded uh, earlier this week. Um, it's been a it's been a rough week, but it's also uh, but it's also brought a lot of people closer together, and you know it, it tends to do that. So it brought uh, me closer together the sheets. So allow me one Buster Balls moment. Of saying, I'm so glad you got to come down from your expensive New York apartment to see little old me in Pennsylvania under such great fucking circumstances (laughs) at a time that is not at all terrible for anyone involved. (laughs) Tom Bongbido, great to have you. Cheers. I only appear when I'm needed. Yeah, I'm, uh, I clicked my heels three times and said, cunt. (laughs) (laughs) And then here you are sitting on my couch, uh, in floral dress. So, uh. That's great. It's, this is Paisley. I got some nail polish on. Uh. It's fucking great. Tom, Tom, your first episode went really well. Uh, we kind of just ran, uh, by. It was the dragonflies. It wasn't me. Unsettling stories. And I remember the first thing that you said after, like, the first story was, wow, that wasn't that bad. I was expecting these to be fucking, like, basement here. Do you think I would have a show lacking quality? I would think the the commentary was good, just not the writing. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Uh, it's, It's more so, like, first 20 episodes... We got some hit or misses. We uh, we experiment with form. We experiment with source. Uh, it's a little all over the place, but that's kind of it's finding. You get you get through that, and you'll you'll love the next. You know, in this case, seventy five episodes, because the quality immediately gets better. Okay. Uh, the storytelling gets better. I I think. My first, like, favorite episode I could talk about, unstoned, first favorite episode to listen to, was episode 22 with Django Phillips, where we read Uncle Jerry's Family Fun Zone. That story has stuck with me, and the way we conducted that interview mm. narrative was really fun, and, and it's something that I've imitated, tried to do in several other situations with people like Tenron Otrin in episodes um, 5960 and 74, where we read Whistlers, which is like a logs and a diary. Okay. 
Uh, and then there's Sir Booberry, who we did episode, I think, uh, if I'm thinking correctly, it's 72, where we do interview tapes of a detective talking to several killers, pedophiles, murderers, necrophiliacs. Uh, okay. I got to play a whole fucking bouquet <clears throat> of fucked in one episode. And that's a, that's a long episode, too. That's like a two-hour long episode. And I, I just have to say, like, the fun, the fun, a lot of the fun ones to me are, like, the ones playing with form like that. Like, the ones that aren't just like, okay, I'm writing a short story, but it's on the internet, but the ones who are doing something like, ah, oh, we're doing a detective tape, and we're doing... Yeah, uh, that one, that one's <laughs> brought to no sleep by saying, hey, my dad just died, and while we were clearing out his house, we, we found, found a picture we found of a, a box. horse penis. We found a picture of a horse penis. <laughs> Among a box of several small cassette tapes that have log dates and Latin on them. It's a very interesting story. Okay. We're drinking. We're smoking. I'm congested. I wouldn't be surprised if this entire episode sounds like Squidward. I think we all are Squidwards. I'm Squidward. <laughs> you remember when he like puts the like fake nose on and he like wears like a bowling ball on his head? He's like, no, I'm Squidward. It's fun. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so um, I've been promised some dank vintage shit. And by that, I don't mean the quality of the weed, which has been dank. It has been. But, although I'm supplying some of it. Um, but yeah. what I'm referring to is the quality of the writing, because we are going old school, not hot, but spicy. This is a not hot, but spicy episode. and I And I know for a fact that a bunch of baby ducks wouldn't mind us hopping onto this material because he has a real love-hate relationship with it. He unfortunately sat through a really weird episode of it before we came back and revisited it, and I kind of lined up better pieces for us to read. (laughs) He likes ghosts. He's a ghost guy. He would love to read, just sit down and read episodes about ghosts. And, mean, and by our, he you mean they our, because he is a, they are a bunch they of They are day. they are legion. And <laughs> he really loves ghosts and and we talk about it on on all of his episodes, all episodes he's on. He's on like 7 or 8 at this point. And uh I don't know. It's fun. It's fun to talk about, you know, afterlife and spectral dimensions and all that crazy bullshit. You know, we do so many different episodes about so many different things and not hot but spicy could hit any of those it's it's a i have to talk about it every time it's an episode but not hot but spicy is a forum that you could find even now it's still open um it's just the quality it looks like something out of you know windows xp it's just a chat board you just go through the chat board it's it's not organized like reddit each story is like four to like 14 pages but they could be about anything, and it's just in one long rolling text of people submitting things and referencing each other. Sometimes the the writers are like, hey, I saw Blank's story, and that made me want to talk about mine. And sometimes it's like a shared event. And I was talking about uh, uh, playing with form earlier, because I really, when he told me about this idea, I was like, that sounds like the shit, because it's like... We're doing the internet, but spooky. And, like, that's that's really cool to me. Like, mm-hmm. not just, like, hey, this is where you put your and spooky it's not stories. And it's not even contemporary it's... spooky internet. It is, like, early 2000s, pre-Reddit, pre-creepypasta. 
people, MySpace, bitches. People, Zanga. People writing stories on blogs. Yeah. And this is and this is what it amounted to. If you want to start with the first story, it's called Drain Lady. Okay. What does that make you think? Um, Tim Curry sitting in your sewers talking to you about the pipes? No, I was thinking like similar composition to a bunch of baby ducks, but drains. Mm-hmm. Just a bunch of little drains just... Forming with, woman. With, with tits and a booty. Would you have sex with that? I... Very lonely. This is Drain Lady from Not Hot But Spicy. <laughs> my father was a military man, which is not true. My mom was a military man. But anyway. Whoa. My father was a military man. Retired back in 95 from the Navy after 20 years of proud service to our country. But before that, we moved often. Every three to four years or thereabouts, we'd pack up and get shipped somewhere new. Early 1989, a wonderful opportunity rose for Dad, and Dad took it. A 16-hour flight later, and we were stationed at NAS... Signella? Signella, Signella, Sicily. Sicily. The pasta primavera. (laughs) I guess I was about, oh, 10 or 11 at the time. I like that it says, oh, (laughs) oh, oh, 10 or 11. Uh, Those years were blurred, save for those pinpricks of memories that still haunt me, that still plague my dreams from time to time. Our first home there was a complex called Bella de Vista, (laughs) far from the naval base. I apparently do accents on these now. I have never... I bring out that attitude. Fuck! (laughs) Bella de Vista. Far from the naval base. There was a waiting list to move into base housing that generally ran for about a year and a half's wait, which was a long wait to wait for. Waiting. Waiting. Until your time to move in, you had to live live amongst the locals wherever you could. Oh, fuck. Live amongst the locals wherever you could. Bella da Vista was, was a beautiful place. We lived on the upper floor of the complex and had a wonderful view of the countryside off our back balcony. At night... One, someone, apparently. One. One. The one. His name is just one. (laughs) Uh, My little brother, his name is one. (laughs) One could look up at at the night sky and see a thin trail of fiery red lava still slowly ebbing still from active Mount Etna. Oh, is that the the, the Pompeii volcano? No, that's Vesuvius. Oh. Etna's... Okay. Etna's a different volcano. It's around there. Okay. And in the morning, everything left out in the open was found to be blanketed ever so slightly by volcanic ash, like a light dusting of snow, or the landscape of Morrowind, my dreamland. Oh. I want to live in Go fuck dark elves for the rest of your life. Yeah, that sounds great! (laughs) (laughs) Django Phillips would be disgusted with you. I will fight Django Phillips. I would pay to see that film. Okay, fair. <laughs> but naturally, as perfect as a nice place as Bella Duffy's the Pasta Ravioli was, it wasn't meant for us for long. The landlords. There might be a typo there. Keeping it. <laughs> the landlord's daughter. Nadlords. The landlord's the daughter was pregnant, engaged, and homeless. Damn renters. Guess who got the boot? So we moved, and with the landlord's assistance, into another home. 
Mont de Saint Antonovista Pasta. A little Mata S. Anastasia. <laughs> Close enough. A little cobblestone street down near. Kat- okay, I can't keep doing it. Catania? Catan. Catan. The fond lines of Catan. Sheeplands. I'm much closer to the Navy base. The day we drove up to the new place, I felt ill. Of course, nothing was thought of this at the time. In passive. I apologize if I'm too critical of these, but I like it. Nothing was thought of this at the time, in passive, but I swear, in retrospect, I was being told something. The place was a three-story house with an apartment on each floor. I really don't remember the neighbors. Both were similarly Navy families. And I can imagine I pissed them off with a lot of loud screaming. Dad unlocked the door and proceeded into the small entryway. The cobblestone street gave way to a marble floor entrance and a matching set of marble stairs up to the second floor, which was our new home. The place was stunningly beautiful. Marble floors, glass French doors in the living room area. Marble floors. <laughs> Balconies attached to nearly every room, save the one room that was to be mine. Clawfoot bathtub, bidet, you know. Bidet. Bidet. I knew what the word meant. Bidet. 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 I like bidet. All the modern conveniences to be expected of a home in Europa. I walked into the room that was going to be mine. Small, simple, square, and quite cold. To the left, at the end of the hallway, was a door covered in a, basically, a form of window blinds made from heavily, heavy horizontal flaps that was operated via a cloth, cloth strap attached to the wall. I pulled it up to see that the door was mostly glass, beyond, and beyond it was a very small quote-unquote room lined with bricks along the floor and walls. I opened the door and stepped into the room and looked up to discover the room extended all the way to the third floor and up to a side hole in the roof. I assume that hole is going to lead to John Malkovich's brain. (laughs) I hope so. There was no covering on the hole either. It went straight into the open air. The shaft allowed a fair amount of light to shine through into the only room in the house without a window in it, which I thought was pretty damn cool. Initially. The chill team dun 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 <laughs> implied <laughs> implied dun 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 implied dun dun dun. The chill seemed to come from the room, despite the glaring sun nearly directly overhead. I'm I'm sorry, but I'm not. I'm just picturing the sun from Chowder. That's like the mean screaming thing. Well, there's the there's the there's also the one from Rick and Morty. The just the one that's shouting. <laughs> It just comes over, yeah. <laughs> Directly overhead. The one the one in Chowder, like, eats a town. He, like, has hands and he just grabs people and he just eats them. <laughs> and then the one in Rick and Morty just screams. And then Rick turns to Morty and he's like, How, how long are the days here? And Morty's like, 327 hours. <laughs> it was then... Okay, so the sun is directly overhead, screaming its scream, eating the town. It was then I heard the first whispers... Like, dot dot dot, if you were just to take a wire brush and softly rub the stiff bristles against your jeans. Oh, that's a good, good line. At the time, I attributed to the ep- echoes off the brick, but I couldn't help but feel weird about it. It wasn't coming from any discernible direction or source, but it surrounded me like a blanket, as if it, the sound could be tangible and touchable. 
It pressed in gently on my ears, like a pressure on an aircraft ascending or descending. Equalizer. No, I'm just saying. Oh, that's yeah. What that, okay. That's what that pressure is called. Yeah. I turned to leave, and I noticed a glinting rain in the middle of the floor. That's never good. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Well, I mean, rain. Rain. Okay, I guess. Sacrificial blood. It was obviously for rainwater and sacrificial blood to drain away, but my nausea increased when I saw it. My stomach gnawed at itself, and I ran out of there, and I swear I saw the drain cover jiggle a bit on my way out. Interesting. I actually love the idea of... I mean, it might just, it might be the Tim Curry uh, shower scene from the 1990s It, the the weird Harryhausen clay, claymation of him spreading open that drain and like, climbing out. You know what I'm thinking? It flips me the fuck out every time. There was this Japanese or Korean horror movie where it was just like a series of shorts. And one of them was this lady in an apartment, and there's this one horror scene where it's just, like, hair is everywhere in the apartment, and there's, like, a giant... Like, it was, like, one of those where it's, like, you'd see that, and then you'd flash to a normal apartment, and the character was like, what the fuck? But I'm just picturing that, like, this lady, dead lady's, like, hair spreading out from the corner of an apartment and just taking over it. J-Horror's all about that shit. Yeah. I lowered the... Prishana. Perjana quickly and rejoined the family in the riving, riving room, living room, shaking loom, riving loom, shaking and sick as a dog. Now granted, dot dot dot, a little brick room was fall, <laughs> was far from the norm for paranormal ghostly stuff. But try telling that to whatever was in there. Christ, was Christ? Christ was in there. <laughs> Just like. Ah. For weeks and weeks, I get up the nerve to open the persona in a broad daylight and risk a peek, only to stumble back from the door, sick as all hell to my stomach and trembling. I tried to tell my parents, of course, but an 11-year-old's ramblings about a scary brick room generally get chalked up to too many Freddy and Jason movies. (laughs) We were just talking about those. The whispering rarely stopped at night. They were persistent from the time I lay down until I finally forced myself to slumber. Often, I wake up in the middle of the night to silence, and then the whispering would start again, as if it was waiting to make sure I was awake. I like this. Hey. Hey. Are, are you gonna eat those? Are you gonna... Are you gonna... Are you gonna eat those? Alright. Well, well, if... Oh, are you? Are you gonna... What? What? Okay. Alright. The whispering coming from the train. Sometimes you just have a quiet roommate. <laughs> like they work nights or something. <laughs> it happens, it happens. But I do I do like I do remember the wire on the jeans line a lot. And I do brush. brush. brush ah, fuck. I fucked it up. There was never any real words whispering. Just a hollow. It's like parcel tongue. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad we just did that to get... That was a moment. We had a moment. I'm, I'm cuddling now. Harry Potter creates many moments. That seemed to repeat, but, ne- but never in the same cadence. There was no emotion behind it, either, that I could remember. It wasn't angry. It wasn't sad nor happy. Just there. Always fucking there. That's a quote. One night, after about two months of the... <laughs> I would throw Jesus. something at that. I would, I would piss. <laughs> I would piss in the driveway. You like that? 
I was woken by. <laughs> God damn it! It's into that shit. <laughs> Choke me, daddy. One night after about two months of this, I was woken by a particularly horrifying dream. I seemed to start having those dreams after we moved in. Dot dot dot. I had never had constant nightmares prior, but I awoke from the dream with the feeling that something was terribly, terribly wrong. Immediately, my eyes darted towards the door, and I saw the persona was up. Now, European goons with experience, back me up. Persona. You need to remember this is a forum. <laughs> this is like a guy talking. Oh, okay. He's now you're telling a story. Now the Europeans, the back me up. Back me up. The Prishanas are about as the noisy damn things to have in a house. They're generally metal slats hooked in with the metal hooks that grind and squeak loudly in protest as they're pulled over. There was no way in hell that Prishana, which was always closed, could have been opened without waking up everyone in the house. But sure enough, it was opened about three-fourths of the way up the damn door. A bit of moonlight reflected off the bricks in the shaft. Shaft. (laughs) And into my room with a dull, bluish tone. I lay there for hours, paralyzed in my bed, but unable to look away from the door, lest there would be something when I looked back in. Eventually, I just cocked out. We all have that, like, oh, it's like night for us. The next morning crept up, and finally I was freed from my paralysis. I ran to the door amidst a waves of nausea, pulled the shut as fast as I could. There was a light dusting of volcanic ash on the brick floor, and I swear I could make out the footprints or scuffling in it. I like when they bring up something earlier that comes back and makes sense at the I end. I thought the volcanic thing was just kind of boring background details, details and then volcanic ash. Context. Good writing. I swear make out footprints or scuffling in it. Mom, still asleep at the time, yelled at me from across the hall after hearing the noise, but I could care less. Over the course of the next three months, the same routine. The whisperings never faltered. The would be found at least two or three times a week open, and the blackness of the room would stare out at me in my bed. Then one night, it was different. I still have nightmares of this incident, and it makes me cringe and want to curl up in a ball still whenever I conjure it up. I was awoken, again, in the midst of a terrible nightmare. And sure enough, the was up, but this time it was all the way up. The moonlight was barely filtering in that night, but I swear I could make out something there in the room. It felt like... I was just at the right angle for me to see whatever it was, and if I were to move in the slightest bit, I'd lose sight of it. It was a small sphere that shimmered like a soap bubble does. Ooh, soap bubble. I like that uh, Annihilation, a really good film recently kind of uses that soap bubble filter. I like the idea of just something like kind of floating there instead of it being like a person. Because it was so faint, I could barely make it out. I watched as it hovered there for the longest time. I began to shrink like some TVs used to when you turn them off, shrink into a tiny dot of light. But before it winked out, it flashed and expanded. It did so at an alarmingly fast rate and solidified into the form of a woman. I don't mind that it's a woman now, but I like that it started out as a thing and then... I like the bubble. The bubble is the idea is that how it travels in the dream. Yeah, yeah. The 
she looked to be in her early to mid-thirties, dark curly hair, definitely a local Sicilian. Then she became, quote, whole, and a solid image. She began shrieking and pounding on the glass doors with both fists. Her head swiveled wrong on her neck, shaking back and forth, like if you were to put a tea kettle on a stick and shook the stick around. I like that. I don't. <laughs> I like the image. I just don't think it works. No, for this. I think the, the like, the like, I like the weird kind of like if you were to draw a line through the body and the head would be the kettle at the top, dangling off a hook. Just kind of lolling back and forth. That could be really terrifying. Okay, the emotion is really terrifying. I do definitely agree with that. I just think that's a weird way to describe that motion. Um, that's true. I, I guess I imaged it. But no, the image is really cool. I would agree with that. Her eyes were completely black and full. Gay. <laughs> black and full of anger and hatred. Tell me her teeth are really sharp next. Her skin around her mouth flapped loosely giving me a glimpse of her teeth and tongue, and her hair was tossing around violently. She had some sort of liquid ooze in small spurts from the corner of her mouth, and flecks of whatever it was flew out as she shrieked. Her shrieking was horrific and nonsensical, and all I could do was scream back. Um, but yeah, I agree, it's kind of getting a little... My dad charged into the room to my bed, thinking I was having a nightmare. She shrank back from the door and she slithered down the drain somehow. She twisted and distorted and I swear I could hear her bones splintering and cracking as she wound herself down into it. I don't like. That I like a lot too. It was awful and to this day, my dad says he never heard anyone scream so inhumanely before. I often ask him jokingly if he meant for me or for her. Oh, that's the end. Interesting. Okay. I liked that for the for the most part. I think um I think the bubble was a little misleading. Yeah. But I could understand how a being that lives in the drains would almost I don't know, associate itself at least. Okay. I like the cracking of the bones. I really like the cracking. The irregular of the bones. idea. One of one of my favorite stories we've read on an episode, forgive me, I don't remember who I read it with, it was, I think it was, um, Terry the Tickler, episode 60, I want to say 65-ish, whatever Terry the Tickler episode is in the 60s, we, we read, uh, oh no, it's not the 60s, it's the 40s, I'm fucking this up, before Terry's, like, big, like, 40 episode hiatus, the last episode I did with him, we read, a, like, a two-page story, it was quick, but it was super unsettling, and it was about a full-length woman, but condensed to two inches standing in the gap between your refrigerator and your wall. Ooh. And I loved it, and it haunted me. It's like yeah. something Junji Ito would have done. It's just, it's... That's awesome. It's it's weird, and I, and I like the idea of if a, if a cursed or spirit, you know, some kind of being, if, like, a cursed being had to wander a house but it wasn't quite real and it wasn't quite ethereal. What would its haunting look like? I think it would be very impractical. I think it would like phase through keyholes or 
coming through cracks under the door okay, yeah. and, you know cool shit like that and the idea of like a being crawling up out of the drains literally like the drains aren't expanding like penny, it just, pennywise and it it literally is just a hand comes out of the drain and then the arm follows like, and then it just it slowly cracks its way yeah, out in, like, but not weird, like in a cartoonish way where it's no. just like expanding out but like i'm thinking out. like evil dead fede alvarez like yeah. 2013 super just disgusting and inhuman yeah. and and something about that sounds really cool to me so for me my part of that one is um i really liked um the build-up to it i really liked the i like the irregular movements i think there was some i talked about the like just make sure all your language is spooky when you're doing a spooky yeah the only other thing i'd say is i feel like we needed something in the middle to help build attention more when we got to that the first time it opens two thirds of the way, whatever we'd really like is if like the cat disappeared. Yeah, and if something just yeah. if something didn't make sense. The idea that you entered the house and the same shit happened for two months and nothing really changed yeah. is kind of just boring story time. But again, the way But we, Whispers what was I was the gonna first say one. what I was gonna say, Tom, was we can't be too critical just No, I know, no, no. Just because I do this out of love. Yeah, I mean, no, that you're more than welcome to to do that as as kind of like what you're bringing to the show is kind of your your expertise with writing and and how you would edit something or maybe yeah. choose a different word, and that's totally fine. Everyone brings something different to the show. What I'm saying is, contextually, these people might not be telling stories. These people might be telling the truth. You can always embellish the truth for storytelling purposes. Absolutely, and that story definitely embellished the truth a little bit. I have no doubt that whoever wrote that, if they were trying to pass it off as a slice of life thing, could have very much just dealt with a highly, highly exaggerated sleep paralysis or maybe a home invader. You know, you, you never quite... Whatever, man. Okay, so yeah, um, just eat the cat in the middle, clean up your metaphors, but... <laughs> eat all the cat... But I, I did I did like it. I like the build up. I like the drain monster idea. The second story that I'm going to read I'm gonna need beer. Is called The That's Patch. And while Oh oh thank you. Uh, while he's going to get me the beer, I'm gonna tell you about a fun story about a turtle. Did you know that there is a turtle out there in the world that has a green mohawk and breathes out of its genitals? Because I was made aware of this unfortunate being today. And apparently some people want to keep it alive. So I'm not sure why they would not let it do, let it just die in misery. Because it's already gone. But it, green mohawk, breathes through its dick. I saw the Look article. It up. Look it up. <laughs> real, it's real true facts. The Patch. Frankly, I do not expect this to be believed. Good, Good start. But I'm going to tell it anyway, simply because it's been weighing upon my mind lately. But I'm going to tell it away anyway, period. Sorry. I ran into Flash last weekend, The Flash, who, who was back in town and he spoke to me about it. Okay, Flash is a person. Knowledge of the physical environment is essential to an LEO and patrol. Mm. It is one reason why seniority counts for a great deal in this line of work. The longer you work a jurisdiction, the better you know it. And locals who become police officers quickly learn that growing up in an area does not mean you truly know it. Part of it is that an LEO, unlike most people, has no perception of private or personal space. We can go anywhere. 
given correct circumstances. And because the popo. <laughs> and because of that, a great deal of idle time or routine patrol is spent exploring. Can you get a patrol car through the gap in the fence? Where's that track lead? Is there a way to get from the parking lot to another? If you walk the easement or power line access, what will you see? I'm gonna cut you there for a little story time. So back in the major city I live in, that will not be named, it's New York. I learned a hot tip for all. Um, If you're going to like a cheap food car or like a cheap restaurant, go to the ones the cops are at. Because they spend all day routine patrolling, really fucking bored, so they find the best cheap eats they can. So That's fantastic. Hot tip for good food. This is essential because at some point this knowledge can mean shaving 30 seconds off a response time or catching a fleeing subject. Or in every police food. or getting food. In every police jurisdiction of any size, in my experience, there is always at least one strange place. Not the spots you take rookies and play find the mud hole, or the (laughs) crime scenes you use to scare explorers, but the real thing. The places that nobody talks about much. The places you don't find out about until you have to go there. The places you go to only if you have to. I I like this. I like that. It reminds me of um, Butcher's Block, uh, the the series on uh, sci-fi. Channel Zero, it's based off of No Sleeps. And I like that it's like built into this like bureaucracy of the world kind of idea. Yeah. Like this is this is the normal daily life, but well, like if you I, become a police officer, you learn about these dark spots that you shouldn't ever go to. I'm also like I also just like if you haven't listened to the other not hot but spicy stories, some of them are are very much real. I'm not trying to set it up that it's a fiction. If this guy says he is a police officer, there's at least a 50% chance that he might be unless he starts talking about fucking monsters. We have a place that is sometimes called The Patch. It's about 35 acres of very broken ground covered in scrub oak on the edge of town, completely isolated from everywhere else, out beyond an old brick plant that now makes clay pots. Nothing, as far as I can tell, has ever been built there, nor is it really good for anything. (laughs) It's at the base of the tall ridge that currently marks the west boundary of our burg, cut by numerous gullies, and whose red clay soil is about useless from growing anything. The city seized it for taxes back in 1932 from a land company. It was listed as wasteland, no commercial use back then. It's really a strange place. I've, I've been on search teams across it six times in 11 years, and every time I've been on it, it creeps me out. It gives me the willies when I first explored it shortly after being cut loose on my own. You can't get a car very deep into it, and frankly, a short walk on foot into it gave me such a bad feeling, I never went back without a reason. It wasn't until about 18 months later that I learned that I was not alone in my reaction to the place. One factual thing that bothers me about the place is that I get lost in it. I have, since I was old enough to think about such things, an unerring instinct about the direction north. I can always find it. Nighttime, snowstorms, forest, whatever. Give me a few seconds to concentrate, and I know which direction north is. Even the desert, which screws many people up, nothing ever bothered me. And the army 
taught me land nav to a fine degree. I've run compass courses with multiple dog legs and hit my target location every time, even on featureless terrain such as Fort Hood, where one bit of scrub is identical to every other bit. But every time I've been in the patch, I've gotten turned around. In broad daylight, with a ridge line or a quarter mile away that is only a couple of degrees off true north-south axis, after the first search, I started taking a compass with me. Near the center of the patch is a structure we call the Playhouse. Ooh, nice. It's a building made of sheets of old galvanized tin nailed to those thick posts 4x4s with a dirt floor. We call it the Playhouse because there's absolutely no rationale for its positioning or design. Firstly, you can't get a vehicle larger than an ATV or dirt bike to it due to washouts and gullies. Maybe a jacked up 4x4 if it was dry and you really did not care about your paint job. Secondly... Because the place is big, about 3,000 square feet, as near as we can tell, it has no purpose. There's no animal pens near it, nothing, just a wood framework with tin nailed to it, no tar on the roof seams, no doors, but several doorway-sized openings, no windows at all. Inside, it's split into at least a dozen rooms by either more tin sheets or partitions made out of old packing crates from the railroad. Some of the rooms are completely isolated from the exterior walls. I like this. There's no logic or reason to how the rooms are laid out. Several have openings that are barely three feet high. It reminds you of how kids put together a fort or a treehouse, except that this one has cut down telephone poles for roof supports, set several feet into the ground. Whatever else you can say about it, someone built it to last. There's no junk or litter about the playhouse, no graffiti. While it's not very obvious, it's been there since before the city seized the place. And with all generations of kids, you would expect some beer drinking, ghost hunting, or general spray can antics. That's interesting. Like... Nor is there any sign of animals taking advantage of the shelter. Nor have I seen any birds' nests, although hornets' nests and mud daubers are present. A mud dauber? And it smells odd. That's all I can say about it. It smells different than what I think it should. Okay. This has been commented on by others as well. No specific odor, just odd. I do have to say this is good vague. Like, it's good vague. Good vague. It's like, uh, it's like search and rescue stories. It's like <clears throat> it's the appropriate amount of vagueness mm. to just be unsettling. Yeah. Flashlights fail in it. Yeah, flashlights fail everywhere, but flashlights seem to fail a lot more in it than anywhere else. $70 Streamlight Stingers that are city issue and have reliable rechargeable batteries go abruptly dead in there. And not in the usual fashion, the light going yellow for 20 minutes, getting dimmer and dimmer until they just fade away. Rather going from hard white light to dead in a minute span. When you carry the same light every day for years, you know it's battery in detail, yet many of us have been caught by an unexpected dead battery in the playhouse. Sometime in the past, we were searching for a missing girl. It was likely that she had been carried off by a recent high water after massive cloudburst, 10 inches in 10 hours. But foul play was also a possibility for reasons best unrelated. A search was mounted. I was tasked with taking two officers and checking the area around the old brick plant in the patch. I had two veteran officers, both entry team members and well-known to me call them MD and Flash, they readily accepted my suggestion that we change into tactical gear in order to protect our uniforms from the brush, and to be frank, I was less concerned with the brush than for having an excuse to bring my MP5 along. I wasn't alone in that, as unbidden, both Flash and MD got their shotguns out of their arm room. Flash had a 14-inch pump, 
and MD a Benelli semi-auto. We searched the patch first, and although all three of us were carefully keeping track of where we were in a place we had all been in before, we managed to get well and truly turned around twice in the space of 90 minutes. Ah, fuck it, I'd do it in like 30 seconds. <laughs> it took us a lot longer than it should have to search the area, because frankly we weren't splitting up. At all, anywhere else, we would have been 20 or 30 feet apart walking on line, here we stuck together. We had been on other search teams which had gotten hopelessly jumbled and separated in the patch before. It was late afternoon when we went to the playhouse. The sky was completely overcast the color of lead. The ground was muddy, everything was wet, and there was a cold breeze out of the north. To say it was a miserable day was an understatement. We circled the playhouse looking for footprints and found nothing, however drainage was such that it was possible that they could have been washed away so a search was necessary. Inside there were no gaps in the ceiling to speak of and few in the walls. The grey daylight hardly made its presence known through what gaps there were, although the dull light through nail holes made you think unpleasantly of animal eyes in the night. I led the way in. Twenty feet in, a portable metal detector, a wand type used to check for weapons that Flash was carrying, suddenly started beeping and did not stop until he pulled the battery pack. He swore it had been turned off the whole time he had been out. Later at the PD, it worked perfectly. We were clearing the place like a hostel building, rather than a search. We had not talked about it, but all three of us were on edge, very much so. The place smelled very wrong, not a smell of anything in particular, no, just not the this. way such a place should smell. Not, I can't explain it any way better than that. I was on one knee checking out a closet-sized room when abruptly the light on my MP5 died, going from white and bright to dead in a couple seconds. Flash took point in MD center while I tagged along and switched batteries. I had a couple full-charge spares on me as well as two more flashlights like and some silos. A minute or so later, Flash's light died the same way and he dropped to the rear to change out while MD and I moved up the place. We stopped at that point when we heard something and Flash muttered, what was that? We all listened carefully. It was coming from ahead and to our right. We did not speak at the time, of course, but later we never agreed on what it sounded like. To me, it sounded like a sick cat might sound as it whimpers. Like that. We moved forward toward the noise and came to a largish room, which had the exterior wall on one side. MD made entry, and at the exact moment, his flashlight died. He immediately sidestepped and dropped to one knee. I moved in and passed him along the wall as Flash slid along the wall on the opposite side of the doorway. Flash was to the left of the doorway. MD was to the right, kneeling, and I was about two feet to MD's right. The room was about 20 by 11, with us at the narrow side. And something moved in the far right corner. Flash hit it with his light a second before I did. I remember MD yelling and then both fired. To this day, I swear I saw a big, dark dog. I mean, like, large, 150-plus pounds, bull, mastiff-sized, and Flash's light moving fast. Flash I fired. saw a black child... <laughs> With a no, toy gun no or shitty a wallet cop jokes. Or a we have no reason phone. to believe that this guy has done anything <laughs> shitty. I fired three round bursts and then kept firing as MD and Flash pounded away. Both went empty and yelled that they were withdrawing team procedure, and I fired to cover them as I backed out last. 
After the first burst, I couldn't see much for the muzzle flash, so I just ripped up the corner with three round bursts. I fired off the full 30 round mag. In retrospect, I cannot explain why I fired 30 rounds at a dog. There was no valid reason to simply hose it down, nor for Flash and MD to blaze away like we had. Nerves is the only explanation I can offer. All I can say is that the encounter was quite simply the most stressful incident I've ever had, bar none. In the second room we reloaded and MD switched out batteries, then we re-entered the long room, and there was no dog. No body, no blood, zip. None of us described what we saw the same way. Flash was extremely reluctant to describe what he saw at all. But there are a couple facts. All three saw a target in motion. Despite the fact that we all perceived it as being in motion, we all saw it in a corner and never shifted our point of aim, despite the fact that we all trained regularly on moving targets. MD and Flash were hunters. I shoot lots of moving varmints. I served in military actions, and both Flash and I had been in fatal police shootings. And we had 12 12-gauge, 3-inch magnum holes and 30 expended 9mm brass, 30 bullets, and 108,000 pellets were fired at a specific area, in this case, an area consisting of a dirt floor and tin walls. All three of us were classified as expert shots. No matter how closely we nor the two investigators who came out later looked, we could find no hits on the floor and only 23 projectile penetrations in the tin walls. Out of 138 projectiles fired, zero pellets are oh, triple zero pellets are .36 inches in diameter steel balls. 9mm bullets are roughly .38. 105 remained unaccounted for. The 23 holes we found were concentrated in the target corner, 9 to the left, 14 to the right of the corner, with two groups 22 inches apart at the closest. As if something solid between the two groups had soaked up the missing rounds. The department wrote the incident off as accidental discharge. I've had I've had a couple cases of accidental <laughs> discharge myself. The girl was eventually found elsewhere. Flash MD and I never really talked about the incident except indirectly. All three admitted having felt more stressed than before since. None of the three of us have been to the patch since. Both MD and Flash have moved on to other agencies for unrelated reasons. One of the creepier things from later on when we tried to explain the whole matter, and a firefight is not a joking matter to the police, no matter that no one got hurt, the administration members we were dealing with who have been LEOs here for 40, 30 plus years respectively nodded, asked a few questions, and let the matter drop. That's all there is to it. I like that one. I liked that a lot. Yeah. I. Um, again, I liked it to like being built into the bureaucracy of life. Like, they're counting the number of bullets and they're missing ones, and... So, like, it really gets this feel of, like... And also that they're trained people in scary situation, because, like, yeah. that doesn't happen a lot in stories. You would you would love Django's episodes, dude. The search and rescue stories we read are killer. They're written from the perspective of just a guy working at a park, and he just posts silly stories about random shit he fucking encounters in the woods and that's what butcher's block is 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 uh 
a show made out of. It's made out of the Search and Rescue series. It's just about weird shit you find in the fucking woods. And the recurring trope that he loves to use is just a set of stairs. Just, just finding there. stairs in the middle of the fucking woods. That's I'm not talking cement blocks. I'm talking fully furnished, carpeted, bannistered stairs that lead to nowhere. Start nowhere and nowhere. The show is about where those stairs lead. Oh, okay. Natu- naturally. And it's a very Clive Barker mm. Hellraiser thing. Okay. Anyway, the next story we're going to read is called Rotting Meat. Ew. ew. From a user called Jibib Joe. Okay, Jibib Joe. Here we go. The following events occurred during a two-week vacation stay at a rented house in Cape Cod. I have family who lived in Cape Cod. I was not particularly old. I believe I was nine. And my, why do I always get the kids? You got the trained coppers. Uh, I believe I was nine and my sister was four. My mother, however, was in her 30s, so I can't chalk up her experiences to an overactive imagination. For the first few days, things were fine. We learned the layout pretty quickly. There was a, sep- there was a basement with, with a washer, a dryer, and a TV in the separate room, and three escapes and four places you could hide from a monster. And Naturally, naturally. On the main floor, there was a kitchen, a proper living room, and a bathroom. And on the second floor, there were bedrooms, three in total. Sounds like my first house that I grew up in. Okay. One day, it was particularly stormy, so there would be no trips to the beach or nature walks. My parents, really eager for much private time as they can get... Wink, wink. Wink, wink, nod, nod, nudge, nudge. (laughs) Sent my sister down to the basement to watch what little TV we could receive. (laughs) That suck being a parent my sister oh, and my I, parents fucked all the time man. they didn't even need to send us away they would literally just close the door of their bedroom and put something on real loud uh, details I needed to know right now <laughs> <laughs> but oh. my sister and I managed to get a decent version of PBS PBS which could mean the static wasn't too bad at all antenna only at this place we continue to watch, I admittedly playing my Game Boy. Good. Be a Pokemon master. Oh, let me be sad. My sister <laughs> okay. My sister born thrilled by some show. You know, you know, I just need you to, to hear this because I don't think I've said it to anyone this week yet. One of the saddest fucking things I thought about was the song uh, that they would end the episodes with sometimes, which is just like Ash and Pikachu like running at each other from like different sides of the screen. It's like together forever, no matter how oh. far. Now until the end of time. No. Uh, for context for the li- listeners, the person we're in mourning for was the Pokemon the Master. The Pokemon Master who was the very best that no one ever was. <laughs> is. Which is what I plan on saying like all day tomorrow. He is catching them all. He's catching <laughs> them Great Johto of the sky. <laughs> and then um, it all stopped. My Game Boy shut off. The light bulb popped. Oh, that fucking sucked. The TV did not go off. Instead, it showed nothing but static. And then the smell. I, the smell! I like it that our writers here today are using smell. Smell. It underappreciated scent. Yeah. In the is. other room, there was the one with the washer and dryer, there was a smell that not even partially described the word rank. 
stank. <laughs> Imagine a bag of rotting meat. Title, kept in the summer sun for days at end, and you can begin to imagine it. Let's go, please, my sister whimpered. I looked at her hand and we walked back up. My parents were not terribly pleased. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Nudge, nudge. Ah, beer, damn it, beer. They... <laughs> That's not gonna get cut, of course. <laughs> oh, beer, damn it, beer. <laughs> things you live by. Things you say every morning. <laughs> As you, like... Ah, oh, oh, shit. Get up for work, get my damn. <laughs> Two double-fisted on the way to the subway. <laughs> they listened to our story, sighing as we spoke. Finally, my mom smiled back and said, All right, honey, I was getting some D, but okay. I will. If I go downstairs and check, and it's all okay, will you go back down? So he can go back down. Mm. We agreed, knowing that if anyone can make it all better, she could. She disappeared into the black of the basin, flashlight in hand, replacement bulb in box held in the other. We expected her to return quickly. She didn't. After ten minutes that stretched into eternity, although we already know she's alive because of the beginning of the thing, but whatever, uh, she finally came back up and said, Okay, you kids can stay up here. In fact, I don't want you going down there again. She knows what's down there. What are we going to find out? Ooh. What do you think it is? What do you think smells real bad? Dead animal? It's not going to be revealed to us. Her, her aborted third child. Lover that she had to murder in order to keep it secret because he came oh, that would all be cool. the way back to, to the vacation house and then the kid oh, came around. We did not know what that meant, but accepted it gladly. Mom never went down in the room either. She insisted on doing the laundry at the laundromats in town. I would not ask her what happened for years. Another night, I was woken by a horrid scream from my sister's room. My dad burst from his room and slammed her door open, picking her up, and took her downstairs. It took her over an hour to calm her down, and a couple s'mores. Aww. She knows what's right. Yeah, she's she knows how this works. But finally, she agreed to tell us what was wrong. She had seen the entire room soaked in blood. Top to bottom, handprints in blood, streaks, dripping splatters, we wrote it off as a dream, but she refused to go back up for the rest of the night. Mom took a look in the room. I caught her whisper to Dad, that smell is there. Finally, my encounter with whatever it was. Mold? Bad fucking mold. Black mold? Or just like red mold? Well, they say mold, black mold doesn't smell, right? Isn't that why it's terrible? Fiction scary mold. Finally my encounter with whatever it was. My parents had taken my sister into town, planning on doing some shopping with her. Uh, they leave the kid alone in the haunted smell house? Of course they did. They went to go crash the mall. I voiced my dismay, and they said I could stay at the rented home if I wished. You didn't do that? What? Oh, okay, you... Wait, you volunteered to stay in the house instead of going to the mall. That's what's happening. Damn, you're an idiot who is not genre savvy. I voiced my dismay and they said I could stay in the rented home if I wished. I wild, 
away some time watching Disney videos and eventually started to read a book. Uh, that's, that's the scary story right there. Someone who still reads. I still read. I still read. <laughs> Fuck. Eventually, I had enough reading. Okay, that's realistic. <laughs> I had had enough reading. I am done reading today. He refuses to read, like, anything else that day. Not the ingredients on dinner. or not like He just, like, burns everything. Puts tinfoil in the microwave. <laughs> I put down the book, and my eyes were shot open in surprise. Near the ceiling, slowly circling about as if it were some ethereal shark, cruised an orb, fire-red and yet translucent. We got Someone another bubble. bubble. <gasps> we got another bubble. Someone say a bubble? <laughs> I didn't move, and as I watched it, Hoping not to scare away it. You dumb kid this are not by John... Jib 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 Joe, though. This wasn't written... That was an unknown author. Ah, Unrelated. Unrelated bubbles. Part of me was fascinated by it, as if it were an ordinary bird on a, the porch. Then I heard the car door slam. My parents had arrived, and the orb, a trailing tail following... Oh, it's semen-like now. Race towards the wall, vanishing. Hi, Scott, called Dad as he walked in, cooler in hair. Anything good on TV in this haunted house of ours? As for what happened to my mom in the basement, when I finally did ask her years and years later, she suddenly became very still and quietly spoke. His name was Jim, and he loved me, but I just couldn't love him. <laughs> She had intended to simply change the light bulb downstairs, fig figuring the bulb had simply died, and I had turned off my Game Boy in surprise, and that none of us had nudged the antenna out of clear reception. So, she had taken down the old bulb and put in a new one. It didn't work. She tried a new one. It also didn't work, because she carried two bulbs down with her, just in case the first one didn't. Well, set a box of bulbs. Uh, okay. I'm drunk. Uh, hey, it's alright. I am too. <laughs> it also didn't work. As she tried the remaining two bulbs, she began to smell something, too. But she, this time, it had an oily stench to it. She figured that one of the machines in the washing room had broken, or perhaps a beaker went off, or something. Breaker. Fuck. Like, tripped to the basement. Fuck. Uh, she went down to the bulbs and walked into the room. She shone her flashlight on the machines. Nothing. Then she looked at the other end of the room, only to see it. It was a short man crouched over, a piece of maggot-covered meat held in his hand. It looked at my mom, smiled with sharp teeth, sharp teeth and black eyes black eyes and whispered hello Laurie and then sank into the floor mom left in a goddamn hurry after that and they didn't fucking leave the house after that I'm, I'm the local meat salesman here in your basement would you like to buy my meat would you like to buy some she leaves runs she leaves runs back upstairs I'll take that as a no, but I'll put you down as a maybe for next week. Okay. How'd you feel about robbing me? Um, it was okay. There were better ones. I mean, it's the same setup of, like, 
only reveal what the thing is at the very end. And that's not a bad setup. I'm a little c- kind of confused at what it has to do with the bubble. Cause like with, and the blood. Cause like yeah, the last one. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Cause with the, with the drain lady one, the bubble kind of made sense. Cause it was a, it formed thing. a person. Yeah. This is just someone who watched a lot of poltergeist. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling we're going to read a couple more. Okay. This next one is, is by an author called Kazarkum. Good name. And it's called Intruders. I grew up in a haunted house. Oh, and and uh, that reminds me. Shout out. So did I. This house is haunted. Anyway, you were saying. This house? Absolutely. Someone mm-hmm. died here. Okay. That reminded me of something from the previous story. Um, I would not believe. Cape the Cape God one. I would not believe that the mother saw a little little weird meat man going, Hello, Loris. And meat. not leave the rental vacation house. Test my meat. Or leave a child alone. I absolutely agree. But he's, he also sank into the floor. I would still not. Oh, abs- I'd be out. I would be so out, and I would set it on fire and claim insurance. Salt. It was a big, modern, streamlined house, not the stereotypical Victorian mansion, with turrets and gingerbread. Gingerbread? <laughs> waiting patiently at the end of a tree-lined lane for fools to wander in. Oh. What? It had its own circular driveway and plenty of trees, but that's where the resemblance ends. The man who built it was genius with concrete. In places, the walls were three feet thick, lined with lead and rebar. Everywhere the house was built of reinforced and lined concrete, making serious renovation all but impossible. He had peculiar design ideas. No walls were exactly even, no room precisely square. My bedroom, for instance, was... 13 feet 3 inches by 15 feet 2 inches on the east-south walls, and 13 foot 4 inches by 15 foot 4 inches on the west-north walls, and no windows or doors were centered. I like that. It's weird. It's like living in the Bauhaus. It's like just off enough, but like not poor enough that you'd expect it to be. Bauhaus is is art art establishment in Germany that Oh B A U yeah. They they specifically built it odd. Uh, as an like, architecture yeah. splendor. Eccentricity. Yeah. Downstairs the living room had a barrel vault for the ceiling with indirect neon lights. There was a massive Ooh. Palos Verdes limestone lab fireplace full of fossil shells. This is just an interesting story for the architecture. I just lo- yeah, I'm, I'm liking it. The dining room had the most bizarre ceiling in the place. It was a pyramid, and a big brass lamp suspended from the center. The kitchen was long and wide, with a back door that seemed to be a refugee from somewhere in the Midwest. It had windows that rattled whenever the door was touched. We had been living there for a couple of weeks when this particular incident occurred. The incident? The old wool carpets had to be pulled as I was allergic to them. You my bastard. dad still, <laughs> my dad still complains about having to get rid of them. Anyway, the new stuff hadn't yet arrived, so we had bare concrete floors downstairs. Nice. We had big moving boxes everywhere. While my mom decided what needed to go where, they had to go to a meeting for the horse show committee. Horse which, show committee, which meant I would be alone for a few hours. Are it wasn't you a problem. the head of FEMA in the Bush administration? <laughs> I had my dog Kimba. The phone was right outside my room, and I had a ton of homework. I said goodbye to them and went up to my room. By force of habit, I shut my door. My bedroom was right over the dining room. 
Off of it was a little sun deck patio that linked to one of the master bedrooms. I planned to enclose that one day for a studio for myself. It would be a couple of years mm. before that happened. Right now, I moved out he? there to do homework since the house tended to be stuffy. You don't say. Concrete's not a good insulator. <laughs> By the time I finished math, it was getting dark, so Kimba and I went back inside. Kimba is a good boy. Kimba. I found a good station on the radio and settled down to draw. I'd been working on a big project for history and I wanted to make a map. So I was merrily shading merrily. away when I heard the back door downstairs open and slam shut. They were home early. Cool. Maybe we could go get ice cream or something. I heard my dad drop his keys on the kitchen counter, followed by movement in the living room. Okay, I, figured, I like this, because this is tense. I figured they brought back junk from the meeting, so it was no big deal. I heard the TV come on with the voices drifting upstairs. Someone started for the stairs, their shoes clinking on the floor, and Kimba growled. Good boy. At that moment, the temperature in my room dropped. Not plummeted, but definitely colder. I grabbed Kimba and hung on. Someone started on the bottom step. The first three or four stairs creaked, and I could tell that whoever was coming up was much bigger than my mom. It was eight steps to the landing and eight more to the top. I counted them until they stopped. We had three bedrooms and one big bathroom upstairs. My mom always insisted on opening every closet door and looking under every bit of furniture in the house. Oh, that's weird. I would have thought that was what was going on, except that she didn't call my name. I heard whoever it was go into the guest room the door clicked shut. They went down the hall to my parents' room. I heard the door open and close, followed by footsteps as they walked around the room. Kimba snuggled close to me, which worried me because she wasn't really a snuggler. Finally, they came back down the hall and stopped at my door. The room was icy cold. I clung to poor Kimba, who was no longer growling. Instead, we sat there waiting for the door to open. I don't know how long we sat, I didn't look at the clock. All I know is that we stayed still until I heard the back door open and slam shut and heard my dad call up to me. Mm. I shouted back that someone was in the house. He came upstairs and then we all searched the place and no one was there. Nothing was out of place. I told them what had happened and they insisted it was my imagination. Two days later, there were cop cars in the driveway when I got home from school. Nice. My mom was sitting outside smoking, talking to one cop. I asked her what was up. Just about then, a deputy came out and said that he didn't find anyone in the house. She admitted she'd heard people in there, talking and moving around upstairs. The cops told her it was okay, she did the right thing by calling, you can't be too careful, all that good stuff. She finally apologized to me over the whole thing, it was good, because after that we started to see them. But that's another story. It wasn't midnight here. Yet. Yet. Nice, okay, okay. Cool, so I guess we'll see a little bit more of Kazarkoum! Good, good, good. Oh, fun. so these are these are more of his stories. Telephone man. Oh, we have a couple. We have a couple from Kazarkum. They're all really short though. We're gonna continue Kazarkum's story before we end the episode. Okay. Just a couple more short little ditties about his haunted house. This one's called Telephone Man. If I were to list everything that went on the house, it would fill this form for a couple and a couple others too. Filling the internet, the infinite space of the internet. Damn. Uh -huh. Early infinite. Mm. My dad owned this place for 25 years. I lived in the house and another house at the same land at the same time. So I have quite a trove of stories to tell. If you ever watch the ghost hunters on TV, you know that they want to see some kind of evidence before calling the place haunted. 
There's one little problem with that. Ghosts are like fish. You never know what you're gonna get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just uh, like Mama always said. <laughs> you're in the boat. You've got the lines out. And next mm-hmm. thing you know, you're pulling up a scaly old man fish. <laughs> and he's got a man Oh, my God. I just remembered that existed. I know what you're thinking. Here he comes. Here comes old Greg. Well, I'll tell you something, my fuzzy little man, Peach. You ever go to a club where people wee on each other? Totally forgot that existed until just now. It's the boat and lake analogy. Always, always makes me go to old Greg. <laughs> I'm old Greg. I'm old Greg. You've got the lines out. You know there's a fish in a lake, but they're not in the mood to bite or to fuck any characters the Yamatotora writes. With the manja- Oh, <laughs> you went shape of water. I went shape of water. Or Abe Sapien. Mood to bite. Forget it. With ghosts, you can place all the high-tech gear you want into place, but if they won't or can't appear, there's nothing you can do about it. Anyway... That's just about everyone's favorite story. Involves the phone man. I don't know why I said that in a southern accent. It's quite alright. When we moved in, the place had party lines? It's when everyone can be on the, on the phone system. I or have separate I'm less old separate. than I thought I was. You absolutely had party lines at your house if you had several landline phones. I guess. I guess I did. I'm just electric dumb. The place still had party lines. My mom wouldn't settle that, so we had the phone company come out and place a single line. Everything was okay outside. They ran the lines to the house and the outbuilding. A long, low construct that housed the man while he built the house. Ooh, that sounds <laughs> haunted. We later converted it back into an apartment for me when I got married. You went, You got married... And lived in the I moved to the phone man house because it's my ideal location to raise my wife. Are you raising your wife? I'm pretty sure she's already raised by the time. To live with my wife. <laughs> that would be a very bad situation. To raise my child with my wife. He did the downstairs and then. Or went to up. get a dog if she's not into commitment just yet and the marriage is still fresh. Dogs are great. They're like small babies covered in fur. They're better. Exactly. It's bonus. You get fur. He did, and they live a lot. (laughs) They live a lot less, though. Uh, This is true and sad. Um, He did the downstairs and then went up to get into the very large attic. You had to open a closet door and then Narnia. Yay! And then climb into the opening. There were shelves in there, which could be used as a ladder, if need be. This is weird. The phone man was able to hoist himself up, no problem. My mom left him alone and went back downstairs. A short while there, he came. He got some tools, or some such, I love that as one word, and went back upstairs and disappeared. We never saw him come down. The phone company had to send someone to get the truck. They never spoke to us, and we never signed off on the work order. But we had phones, so it was okay. That was it. You'd think it was a joke, except for two things. One, he had left his flashlight in the closet. We had used it for years until finally got lost. And two, when people came to install AC and add insulation, they found a hard hat in the attic. So what happened to the phone man? I don't know. Man... I'm gonna rally on some class 
bullshit going on here. You just let the help disappear and no comment about that. Fuck these bougie bastards. Phone man second version. Oh man. Oh He's fuck. back for more. Look what you did. I spilled beer. I got you, dude. Uh, just um uh, trying to get it on the towel. <laughs> <laughs> did you plan on wearing those pants tomorrow? Nope. Good. And I think what you should do is just cut it there. Just like middle of the story, dot dot dot, and one of my best friends in New York should just constantly cockroaches. battling cockroaches. Or I'll take out, I'll, I'll have cock, and I'll remove the roach, and then I'll just be like, and my friend constantly fighting, cock. To be fair, that also seems accurate. Nice. I'm gonna uh, meet this friend no. of yours. Telephone Man's <laughs> second version. Two pages. When we, I'm gonna, you don't say that, that's implied. <laughs> it's something to, to keep track of. When we moved to the house in Norco... The R was still on... <laughs> the phones are still on party Cars lines. Cars are doom is a little high, too. Part of, part of the lines pretty much like you see in the old movies. You pick up the handset, and if someone is talking, you can either listen in or wait for them to stop. For a 15-year-old from the OC, this was exotic and fun. For my folks, it wasn't. They started the process for a private line. One day, the telephone company truck pulled into the driveway. The telephone repair installation man got out. Wait, My is mom this the same story, but a different phone version? lines in the house. Both at built-in telephone tables. The man... <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> yeah, it's the same story. Then I'm just going to cut it and we'll continue. Maybe he just felt like soup too dry. Ghostly phone sex! <laughs> okay. Ghostly That's where you need to cut it. phone just sex. Cut Ghostly phone sex. In my dad's house, we had many, many things happen. Oh my god, that is the best opening for that title. There was a building. Daddy, the house. daddy, what are we da doing now? Daddy, 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 would you like some? Sandwich? Wrong, daddy. There was I'm a thinking building. Choke me, daddies. There was a building behind the house that had the owner had lived in where, while building the main house. It had a bathroom, the making of a rudimentary kitchen, and a phone. The line was separate from the main house. We used the place as a garage, storage, whatever for years. Then, when I got married, we decided to convert most of it back into a living space. We laid carpet, tile, put in a shower, stove, etc. My folks had turned the phone off to prevent anyone from using it and running up a bill. Now it was time to turn it back on. They had to replace some lines, and naturally, that meant climbing the poles. Not the only pole climb to oh, We were inside when he fell off the pole. Fortunately, the neighbor was a fireman. He kept the phone man quiet until the Poor ambulance phone man. came. Just keep fucking dying at this point. Someone went up in a cherry picker to finish the job because they couldn't just leave things the way they were. According to the new man, the guy's harness wasn't loose or anything. He just fell out of it. No one could figure it out. And then the phone bill came. It was $850. From the time the guy climbed the pole to the time the second guy finished the job was roughly two hours. My dad called the number that the bill said had been dialed something like 3,000 times. It was a long-distance payphone sex line. Yeah. Yeah, boy. This is Robert Hooters. Thanks for calling. <laughs> I got big old jugs waiting for you, big boy. What you got for me? So we went to the phone company to complain. The lady at the desk had to get her supervisor because they'd never seen anything like it. They calculated that the actual number of calls that could be placed was something like 80. But Fuck even yeah. that didn't make sense, as the calls were made before the phone had been connected. 
They sent someone out to check the lines, I guess to see if someone was tapping them, but no. Who or what made the calls? Okay, that story is Rabbit's Hootus! <laughs> Ghost Hootus. Thanks for calling, sweetie. I'm wearing nothing, <laughs> and I look gross. This next story is called Sealed Window. Still more from my dad's old place. Ooh. We had an outdoor riding riding <laughs> riding area arena to work the horse, horses. Horse contest. Horse what, what, was it horse torn <laughs> Wasn't it a horse tournament that the uh, they were going to? Oh right, first right. Time? It was the head of FEMA uh, underbush. Uh, we had an outdoor riding area arena to work the horses at night when it was cooler. My dad put up a light pole so we could see what we were doing. We Friends would ride over and we'd play around with the horses at night. Oh, this is getting equus. Then, this one evening, my best friend and I were out. His playing. name was Harry Potter and he took off all his clothes and showed the horse his wand. <laughs> play games on... We could see... This one evening, my best friend and I were out playing games on horseback. We could see my bedroom window quite clearly. I had the curtains closed because my room faced west, and I didn't like to be blinded in the morning. What? Sun rises in the west, sets in the east. Sure. My folks left to go shopping. They always fucking go shopping. They drove past before leaving, so we'd know. Anyway, we played... See you fags later! (laughs) Oh... Anyway, we're playing tag or whatever it is. When we saw the light, grab ass. <laughs> playing grab, playing I uh, tag. Yeah, that's tag what or whatever it was. <laughs> Suck my fucking when, <laughs> when we saw the lights come on in my room, we hadn't seen my folks pull up, but thought maybe they could be around front, and we were just, and we just missed seeing them. A few seconds later, the curtains in my room get drawn open. We were stopped to see what was up, and folks never bothered my curtains, so we wondered who was up there. Franklin's tits. <laughs> Frank- Franklin's titties. Here, calling for the service. How big's your Johnson, Johnson? Just then, one window opened partway. That was a good trick, a real good trick. We had the window sealed shut because of the wind and dirt. There is no way to open them unless you had a special tool to break the seal. And they've got special tools to do whatever you need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we thought something, someone was robbing the place. We had a phone in the barn, but it was locked. And we didn't have cell phones because this was the 90s. I'll have to tell the story about that phone and why it was locked another time. Ooh. We decided our best bet was to stay put and try to get a good look at whoever was in there. Since my room was at the back of the house and had a separate enclosed patio that led to the lower roof and to the drain, evil drain lady, we figured. Persiana. We figured that they were planning to go out that way. Why they opened the windows we saw made no sense, but hey, we weren't <laughs> robbers. We Sorry. saw one person, male. We were pretty sure. We were pretty sure. Male, we. I mean, we weren't judging. We just. Did, we didn't see any titties and he. He had an ass, but I mean, like, who's... Who are we to judge? Walking back and forth. We didn't see him moving or anything, except he was walking back and forth a second ago. But then maybe... No, I'm I'm, I'm being serious. It's probably what it was. Okay, he made up mummy movement. But then 
maybe he was just trying to decide what to take. He left the main room for the patio room, which had no windows on our side. It did, however, have my stereo and TV. We could see the light from... Yes, Rich. We could see the light from it flashing out onto the lower roof. So he was probably in there, bagging all the stuff. And again, my class critique, it's rich, bougie kids. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) The headlights from my mom's car came up the road, over to them, and told her told them what we saw. My dad was convinced we were screwing around. Well, we did, but we were being serious this time. (laughs) Well, while he was telling us to cut it out, the lights went off anywhere. The house, the barn, the street, everything. Power was flaky there, so this wouldn't normally have been a big deal, but with someone in the house, it was. We went back in the barn for a flashlight, because the one in the car was dead. When we had the lights, we started in. We took maybe three steps into the house when the lights came back on. My dad made us stay downstairs when he went upstairs. Nothing. Nothing was taken. Everything okay. Except the window had been opened and then closed. Dun dun dun. Yeah, I didn't like that one so much. Interesting. So that's the end of Kazar Kum's story. Uh, maybe we'll see Kazar Kum in another episode. Hmm. That's all. He that's keeps all. Keeps hitting, hinting at more things. But like, it's a it's a forum. So if we started up here, he might be. Someone might have come in first. Yeah, he might. He might be later in uh, the thread. Uh, do you want to do more? Or? I'm cool. I'm good. Yeah. I think that's a. I think that's a good ending. That's a good because ending because it's just like we did. We, we did all of Kazar Kum's stories about his haunted house, and you know, living living in a relatively haunted house, it's and in a bougie one, no less. I mean, it's not made out of concrete. Not all of it. There is down here. It's but a nice house. Yeah. Uh, no, no concrete. No drain ladies. But it's just. It's just interesting how. I have some of these thoughts, too. When I pull in and out of the driveway, there's a window that overlooks the driveway and that street, and every once in a while, I'll see that the blinds are open, but I know for a fucking fact that I close them all the goddamn time. Yeah, okay. And I liked the thing about Kajadum, Kazadum, the bridge of Kajadum. The bridge. I liked that... Um, it it makes sense that Tom Bongbidil thinks of Lord of the Rings reference in an episode. I can name where at the beginning Bridge of the Lola Rooms I actually I'm gonna do in a second I'm pressing this for memory but what I was saying was I liked with Kajar Doom that he was uh, referencing he or she or they were referencing the like little stupid things that you like I opened the window and it was closed I it's the ability the to time. make something completely mo- mundane Creepy. Uh, at least a little bit unsettling. I don't think any of it really creeped me out. I feel like I've dealt with uh, creepier in my own house. That first one about hiding in the room when you feel someone physically walking around the house. I have, I have like felt that before. Yeah, yeah and with people, like I've had, I've had witnesses in this situation too. There's just weird shit that a house, you know, a house can make noises, and you can know you. You just never, you never quite know. But that's that's the thing. The first one was pretty creepy because it was like it well, had like a page of context before it started. Too, it, it had good context, and it was like, um, like it was this scary, tense situation where you're in the house with the robber person, 
And then the second one was just, oh, this one time a telephone guy disappeared. And then the third one was like, oh, there were, I mean, it was a little more tense, but then the telephone guy disappearing, but it was still like, they were very safely outside watching someone walk through the window, walk through the house and open yeah. the window. Like, and, yeah. it, and it's like, it could be stupider, more mundane stuff. It absolutely could be. But with more tension, more just vulnerability from the characters, like they're in the same room as it the It is bad repetitively, guy. there are people in the house. Yeah. Whether, you know, however you want to go with that, it's just there are people in the house and that's all we get. And that's, that's okay. And it's, it's the... It's more about how they go about writing. Yeah. Discussing the, how these... I mean, I like the, the guy going missing. I yeah. think that's the only, like, inconsequential, like, loose end that isn't talked about. It's just like... But I want their presence more in that story. Like, and that's something that this, this author isn't giving to us. Yeah. It's just... They did it in the first one, but they need it in for the rest of them to bring that Well, through. they gave context in the first one. What they lack is any sense of character yes. and, and involvement. And yeah. it's just like, you can only get so much setting before you need uh, depth, the, 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 actual the dudes, action. The, the kids. Yeah. 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 The kids being vulnerable, friend, the kids like, being scared. Tell me a little about the friend. Who Does he pick his nose? Is he a Pokemon master? Yeah. What does he do? I hope he comes back up again. If if he doesn't, if we if we never finish, you know, not hot but spicy. We have like three hundred pages of not hot but spicy. Um, you know, this is this is an outlet. If you liked those stories, you can you can go to not hot not hot but spicy. You could look on that website. I read like a, a th- I think it was like an a thousand page story on that website called Fifty Foot Ant, and it was just. One of the coolest fucking things I've ever read. And you could tell that it was written by either the person who runs the site or someone he or she trusts to tell good stories. And one section of the site is just all forums. One section of the site is like long-standing, professionally written, free-to-read fiction. Like, edited. Nice. Not username submitted multi-chaptered, multi-tiered storytelling. And 50 Foot Anne is something I've referenced on so many other episodes. It's just a a guy in the 80s um, gets stationed at a bunker in between the borders of Germany and Sweden, and he starts to witness weird shit at the bunker before he delves in the history and realizes it has past Nazi involvement. Okay. And that the horrors are essentially... Nazi experiments. Trapped there. Oh, okay. The idea that a place could only be so evil and still reflect and still resonate in that place after so long. It's a very chilling story with a with a really gripping end. That sounds interesting. It's a really good story, but again, it's like a thousand pages long and we will never read that on the podcast. It's something you have to go out of your way. I reference so many stories like that. There's Dionysus House. We can't read that because... It's a narrative told through, I think, 30 different websites on different message boards. Mm. And it's just about people finding houses in, in, in their states that you go into the house and there are just doors that don't match the blueprints. And yeah. they call them Dionysus houses. And when people find them, they tend to go missing. Okay. The other one is Ted's Caver Story. 
which is like 1990s Zanga blog. Um, Zanga. With like, it's just, if you Google Ted's Caver story, it is literally just a small website that tells the story and has the pictures of the caves. And what is so great about it is it's clearly three or four years worth of blogging told in probably a four or five hour long story. But what makes it is the pictures. It it, it feels real because the guy gives you what he then fictionalizes. He, he gives you enough detail to put you there okay. when he writes it so that when you're scrolling through your pictures, you're, you're just, you're hoping to fucking God that the next picture doesn't show something that he's talking about. Oh, it is nice. dreadful. It is dread nice, nice. And then, and then, you know, it's, it's great. It's, it's signature. It's classic. I'm going to spoil it, but it just ends. He just, he says he's going back to the cave one day, never fucking comes back. Nice. It's real great. That's he a good says, use of internet. He says he feels the cave, like, calling to him, and he's going to go back and look for his friend. And it's just, like, it's 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 great. It's great, and it's honestly terrifying. And there there are only so many stories we could read on this show, and, and I can never give those three. Um, I think they're all... No. Dionysus House was from a friend that hasn't been on the show. Django Phillips told me about Ted's Caber story. So thanks to Django. I found Not Hot But Spicy by myself. It was really fun. I found it around the same time I found the other crazy source we got stuff from, which I think we finished reading all of their stories, actually. Stories to tell alone at night. Mm-hmm. And it's set up like a, like a 90s Windows desktop, and you click around the website kind of like a desktop delving into documents mm. and email pages and shit. Very art. Artsy. Okay. Artsy, fartsy. Tom Bongbadil, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I thought it was Read a pretty not good... Not hot, album. but spicy. Not hot, Did you spicy. feel spicy? Um, uh, yeah. Um, good. There were definitely some stories that were better than others, but none of them like dipped below that like line where you're just sure. like, oh god. I'm glad that you are willing to experiment mm-hmm. with form and storytelling. Yeah. I know we'll have we'll have to do something completely different next time, but um, I'm glad you had fun. You mm-hmm. got any you got any final things you want to say? Um. Oh no! Yeah. Um. To our friend. Yes. The episode is dedicated to him and to Pokemon and to nerdy things. Ginger. She put